morning. And God has uh, certainly been good to us, uh, certainly much more than any of us deserve and beyond. And uh, the thing with about being a Christian is, is it only gets better. Amen. And uh, we look forward to that day in heaven. I want to preach to you about heaven again. And uh, so go ahead and take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Revelations, chapter 21, chapter 21. I know sometimes we get excited when we turn to the book of Revelation, and, uh, uh, but I just want to pull a thought out of this verse. We'll be turning to some other uh, scriptures as well, but I want to start off simply by reading this passage. So when you find Revelation chapter 21, go ahead and stand with me if you will. Just going to read one verse and then we'll be seated. But uh, if you're physically able this morning, I understand if you're not, but if, uh, if you can, in reverence to the Word of God, Revelation chapter 21, I'm going to read the last verse in that chapter, and uh, we're looking here at uh, heaven, and uh, we're talking about heaven. Heaven is the context of this, uh, really of the whole chapter, but certainly of verse 27. And I want us to notice something here, very important. And speaking of heaven, it says, And there shall in no wise enter into it talking about heaven, anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching of the Word of God this morning. Father, I hope and pray that you'll be with us today, and Father, we thank you for our specials. We thank you for the singing today, and Lord, uh, as we get into the message, Lord, I hope and pray that we'll be attentive and Father, that uh, I understand uh, things can't be helped. There's medical reasons, Lord, but if at all possible, if we wouldn't go in or out, uh, Lord, until the service is over, Lord, I know that'll be helpful to help people focus. And, uh, Father, you'll certainly be honored by that. And, uh, Father, we pray now again that you'll speak to our hearts. May your Holy Spirit roam every pew and every aisle. Uh, Father, that uh, I, I would probably say most will agree with everything that I'm saying here today. Lord, um, uh, would, would amen it. But I want this to be an encouragement to those, this, those of us that are saved. And Lord, as we bring a salvation message this morning, uh, Father, my desire, but mostly your desire is, Lord, if there's anyone here that's not saved, you're not even sure what that means, Father, that today would be the day they would hear this message and see within their own heart that they need to be saved by the blood of the Lamb. And Father, we'll give you praise and we'll give you glory and honor for all that you're going to do. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. The title of the message tonight is very simply, or this morning, is Fit for Heaven. And um, certainly, you know, there's a lot of uh, speculation that might run through our mind as we think about things and even read that verse. In other words, if we were just to read that verse by itself and not take into consideration the whole Bible, it might leave us maybe feeling a little, a little uh, squirmy, you know, like, oh, well, wait a minute here. Um, but our verse for today, I want you to understand, it indicates a very important truth, and I'll, I'll explain this as we get going here, but our verse certainly indicates that not just anyone is fit for heaven. I mean, we, we can draw that assumption, okay? Um, in other words, being fit for heaven. Now, what does that mean? Well, being fit for something really is, is kind of a familiar word or a word age that I heard a lot growing up. I had a couple of grandparents that they, they would say things like, well, that ain't fit to eat, <laughs> you know, or, or uh, that, that's not, you know, this, this whatever it may be, it's not fit for anything. Uh, and so I, I kind of relate to that and, and certainly can, can tie some things together. 
Um, and, and we probably have all heard that kind of wordage before. And certainly it, it certainly applies to what we're looking at here this morning. So being fit for something just simply means that it's suitable. In other words, it, it meets all the qualifications, meets all the expectations of what uh, it's doing or what it may be for. In other words, there are some people after a time of, of learning and education, they are fit to be a doctor or fit to be a dentist or a nurse perhaps, uh, fit to do this or fit to do that. Now, now I'm not fit to do any of those things. Uh, uh, there are some things that I am fit for, but there's a great deal uh, that I'm not fit for. Uh, I'm not suitable. I, 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 can't, I can't do those things, if you will. And so the question for now is, is what we should always ask ourselves, uh, you know, especially those maybe that, that are, are not saved, would be, are you fit for heaven? Are you fit for heaven? And if that question would certainly lead into another question, uh, are, am I fit for heaven? The next question might be, well, how does one become fit for heaven? And certainly that would be a, a very important question as well. Now, we just read there something very sober that nothing ungodly can enter into heaven. You know, God is so perfect. <laughs> he is so holy that, that nothing that isn't holy can, can be in His presence or His very nature will consume that. So we understand that. We also know from other Bible verses that mankind, that is all of mankind, has sinned. What does sin mean? It means you fall short. We come short, as the Bible says, of the glory of God. We come short of what it is to be fit for heaven. And that's everybody. For all, the Bible says, has sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so that paints a pretty dark picture, doesn't it? I mean, when it comes to man of, him, you know, of himself, what is in himself, everyone born is not fit for heaven. Yet we know, because of what the Word of God says, that some do get fit for heaven. And so we know there is a, a way... Not certainly not in ourselves, but it does uh, uh, indicate to us that yeah, we there's a way in which man can, mankind could be fit for heaven. Now we have spent nine messages. We've had some breaks in between with guest speakers, but we have this will be the tenth message, and we've been talking about preaching about the death of the believer. Um, and hopefully it's been more of a positive than a negative for you. And we've looked a great deal, uh, a few messages about heaven itself. I certainly have enjoyed preaching those. Uh, and today in our last message, really we'll talk about heaven again, but really it's a salvation message. And, and I just want to share with you how sinful man can be made fit for heaven. You say, well, I am. I, I am saved. Well, you still might learn something here and be encouraged uh, and strengthened in the things of God. So again, the title of the message this morning is Fit for Heaven. So first place I want you to turn to this morning is the book of Colossians. Turn back, uh, still in your New Testament, to the book of Colossians. And I want to read something there uh, uh, from there, uh, if I may. Uh, Colossians right after the book of Philippians. And uh, so, uh, Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, and I want to give you the point, and then we're going to read the verse. So number one, the Bible reveals that sinful man can be partakers of an inheritance. Now I want you to think about what an inheritance is, okay? An inheritance is something that's given to you, right? 
So the Bible reveals that sinful man can be partakers of an inheritance. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, notice what it says. So giving thanks, amen, uh, unto the Father which hath made us, now notice what this says, made us meet, we'll talk about that word, uh, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Certainly this is in a reference to those that are saved, a reference to heaven. And so we notice that wonderful phrase, meet, to be made partakers. What does that mean? Well, meet simply means to enable. We've talked about the word qualify. So enable someone to qualify someone. So there is a way, again, revealed in the word of God that a sinful man can qualify for heaven. There's a way that, praise the Lord, whosoever, amen, whosoever can be fit for heaven, a way that we can be made partakers of that wonderful place called heaven. Amen. And I think that's important. But it's important, though, to remember to keep in mind that we must be made fit, that is, made meet, first. What I'm saying is that somebody just cannot decide to believe what they want to believe and decide that they're going to go to heaven. And a lot of people do that. Uh, you know, do you believe in God? Oh, yes, I believe in God. Do you, do you believe you're going to go to heaven? Yes, I believe I'm going to go to heaven. I talked to a man just yesterday out visiting. Uh, I said, why are you going to go to heaven? He said, I don't know. <laughs> now, that doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, if I know I'm going somewhere, I know what to do to get there, right? <laughs> you know, and so there's somebody that has just decided they want to go to heaven, but that doesn't mean that they are fit for heaven because there is something that has to take place in our life if we're going to be fit for heaven, amen? If we're going to be meet for that inheritance. That's important to understand. So again, we cannot just decide to go to heaven without something very important, something very profound uh, to take something supernatural to take place uh, in our life. Now, our mind might automatically begin to think, okay, preacher, if that's the case, what must I do? And the key phrase there, I do, to be fit for heaven. Now, th that's a flaw, if that's what you're thinking. And let me explain. You know, we might approach heaven the same way we might approach being physically fit. Uh, Brother Bob and I, we're talking about uh, uh, exercise, so we're going to start running a mile and a half tomorrow, me and Bob. <laughs> no, no, but we're... <laughs> So, so, yeah, so in other words, if I want to be physically fit, certainly I'm going to have to put some work in that, right? And Lord knows I need to, all right? So, so yeah, I mean, I would have to start running, maybe do some weight training, you know, eating right. In other words, I want to, listen, if I want to have a fit body, then I need to do some things uh, to, to achieve that. I need to do some works, right? And certainly that's true when it comes to that. Now, that might be our way of thinking when it comes to being fit for heaven. And I'm just going to tell you, that's a flawed way to think. The Bible, the Bible is, my dad used to say, knocks that in the head real quick. Okay? But again, we're, we're often, that's how we approach going to heaven. That's how we approach the things of God. But the Word of God certainly stops that philosophy uh, really in its tracks. And I was thinking about some men of God that we know are in heaven today. You know, today, I don't know if anybody in this room is saved. I, I don't know that. Nobody in this room knows for sure that I'm saved, okay? So you understand what I'm saying. But the Bible does tell us of some wonderful, uh, in this case, there's women as well, but in this case, some men of God that are in heaven. Now, they weren't perfect. They were sinful at times. But most of us would probably realize why Moses is in heaven, amen? Most of us would say, well, yeah, I understand why David's in heaven. We might think of Peter and others are fit for heaven. John, uh, certainly they are fit for heaven. They are in heaven. 
As a matter of fact, I was reading in the Bible about Moses. Uh, uh, it tells us in the book of Revelations that there's going to be a, a song sung in heaven that is referred to as the song of Moses and the Lamb even. And so certainly, we again, we think of Moses, uh, a great man of God, hey, you know, mentioned in Scripture several times, even in connection with the Lamb of God. So yeah, he's fit for heaven. We, we understand that. And we say, that's easy to understand. But again, if we just see it for the great things that he's done, and, and maybe David and others... Again, that's a flawed way of thinking. We're not seeing being fit for heaven in the right way. Because, again, we, might, we know, too, that there was a man by the name of Lot. Lot is in heaven. The Bible says he was justified. The book of Hebrews reveals to us, without a doubt, that Lot is in heaven. But if you uh, study the Word of God, you will find out. And again, I, I'm glad he's in heaven. Please don't misunderstand me here. I'm not trying to be ugly. But his testimony reveals that he was a terrible child of God. He was carnal. Uh, he was materialistic. He didn't even win anybody in his own family to the Lord. That's how, bad, that's how bad his testimony was. When he did try to warn them about, about, about uh, God's judgment, they laughed at him because his, his testimony was so bad. They said, you don't believe that. You can't, the way you live, amen, and you really believe that there's a God that's going to judge us, and they laughed him to scorn, and they were destroyed with brimstone and fire. That's how bad of a Christian, if you will, that Lot was. But Lot is in heaven. So, Again, we, we got to kind of put some things together, all right? Uh, uh, again, even this world, carnal believer, materialistic believer, uh, there's also, we, we also would have to talk about a man that we only know as the thief on the cross. Let's talk about him for just a moment. Most of us know the story, right? A thief in heaven, uh, where it just says there that those types of things aren't happening. Why was he on the cross? Well, he was on the cross because he was guilty. This was a man that was guilty, to whom Christ would later say, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. And somewhere along the line, he got meat for heaven. Amen. He, he got qualified. How, how did this wretched soul, while his life is literally ebbing away, draining from his body, nailed to a cross because he was guilty, how did he get fit for heaven? How did he even, he didn't have the opportunity to get fit first, did he? He didn't have the opportunity to get meat. He didn't have the opportunity to do something, to, to, to go to heaven. Yet at this moment, we know the Bible reveals that the thief on the cross, Lot, they're in heaven. They, they qualified themselves, if you will, and not themselves, as we'll explain. So how can sinful man be partakers, again, very important, of that inheritance? I want to read verse 12 again, but a couple other verses after that. So with this in mind, let's read verse 12, Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 again. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us, notice that phrase, made us meet, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us, amen, from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, hallelujah, in whom we have redemption, how? Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Amen. What a, what a great salvation passage. Amen. I tell you, you can lead somebody to the Lord with that verse alone. So Paul, now remember who Paul is writing to here. He's writing to a group of, of people, of souls, um, that were saved, but, but had been saved uh, from, from 
you know, really paganism. Uh, they would, these are the type of people that Paul would describe in Ephesians chapter 2. You don't have to turn there, but it describes where a lot of people are even at today, having no hope without God in the world, dead in their trespasses and sins, walking according to the course of this world. In other words, they're just worldlings and, and they're living the only way they know how. But by this time, when Paul is writing to them, they are no longer aliens or strangers. Amen. Now they have been delivered from the power of darkness and have been translated uh, into the kingdom of the sun, as we read there. And you say, how? Well, if you was to read in the, the book of Ephesians chapter 2, through that whole passage, it tells us, just as it reveals here in the same way, through his blood we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Amen! <laughs> Stay with me. So number one, the Bible reveals sinful man can be partakers of an inheritance. And certainly we understand that to be heaven uh, itself. And praise the Lord for that. Number two, the lost, what we need is an incorruptible inheritance. You know, how often have we heard of a squandered inheritance you know, we, we hear about that all the time. Maybe read on the news, maybe know somebody personally, uh, how someone wasted their inheritance. We think of the prodigal son even. You know, everything in this life, though, folks, is, is, is corruptible, meaning what I mean by that, it decays, it diminishes, it loses steam, it loses momentum. Things fade, things begin to, to lag and sag, if you will. That's just, that's the life that we live in. There, there's nothing in this world that's incorruptible. Sooner or later, it'll go away, amen? But there is an incorruptible inheritance, amen, uh, that is very important. Now, let's look and see what that is. Go back to the book of 1 Peter. The book of 1 Peter is pretty near all the way to the end of your Bible. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to read this. We have an incorruptible inheritance. Of course, we know this is talking about heaven, but I want to, I want to read it to you. Because this is important. Notice uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy, amen, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, that is a living hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. Jesus said, No one cometh unto the Father but by me. Now notice verse 4. To an inheritance, there it is, incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, Reserved in heaven for who? You. Amen. Praise the Lord. Ain't that, that wonderful? Uh, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Amen. Ready to be revealed in the last time. So, being saved by the blood is what makes you fit for heaven. That's what makes you undefiled. Nor does it fade away. It will not rust. It cannot be stolen. It cannot be eaten by moths, as, as we read in other passages. If saved, I want you to understand very simply this morning, if you are saved, your inheritance is laid up in heaven at this very moment. Amen. Praise the Lord. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, if you will, with the very blood of Christ. Amen. It's permanent. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. Now you're beginning to understand. Hey, it's not about anything that I've done, that I'm going to heaven. It's all about what Christ has done and what he has made me meet for. 
It's the blood, amen, that makes, makes, that's important to understand, makes us fit. It's the blood that makes us saints for heaven. It's the blood that, that, that makes us joint heirs with Christ. It's a, what's that mean? It's a secured inheritance, amen, that cannot fade away. There are some, as Catholicism teaches, Mormonism teaches, Islam teaches, many other belief systems teach that, that heaven is your payment, basically, your reward for faithful service. You do these things, these religious things, and God will reward you with heaven. Now, in our way of thinking, that makes sense, right? No, if I go out and I do a job and I get an honest day's work, my reward ought to be I ought to get paid, right? Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. But again, that's a flawed way of thinking. That's a flawed way of thinking if you want to see heaven that way. Uh, it, just some of the verses we read already would show that that's not true. And so, so again, he, you know, heaven is not a payment for uh, our good outweighing our bad or because we've done this or we've done that. Uh, it's not our payment because we held out to the end, if you will. Again, that's, that's a works-based philosophy that you don't find in the Bible. Uh, the Bible never even hints at such a thing. Heaven is not a payment. Listen now, heaven is not a payment but an inheritance. There's a difference, isn't there? You know, maybe you've inherited some things. It wasn't that you deserved those things, but because of maybe who your father or your mother or your relative was, you simply got those things. There's a difference between a payment and an inheritance, amen? We think of that song, A Child of the King. One of the verses says, I once was an outcast, a stranger on earth, a sinner by choice, an alien by birth, but I've been adopted. My name's written down, an heir to a mansion, a robe and a crown, amen? I'm a child of the king, a child of the king with Jesus, my Savior. I'm a child of the king. Amen. It's an inheritance. Listen, dear saint of God. Listen, you're not becoming saved. You are saved. Amen. You have the inheritance. Praise the Lord. You have an incorruptible inheritance. And by the way, you lay a hold of that on this side of eternity, not the other side of eternity. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the only way it can happen. Amen. This is exciting stuff. I... In case you haven't noticed, I like this. Number three, fitness for heaven is not about what man has to do, but what Christ, listen, has already done. Amen. You know, we just want to do religious things and claim heaven. You know, the reason we do that, it sounds noble, but see, it's easier to do religious things than it is to have faith. Because a lot of us, we can't really point to our faith. We can't point to our testimony. We're kind of, a, lot, a lot of people out there in life are like Lot. But we can, well, it you know, it kind of makes us feel good to say, well, I do go to church and I pay my tithe and, you know, I do this and I do that. You know, I point to my work. But listen, that's, that's not the inheritance, amen. That, that's not what this is about. You know, when we think about this, as we've already read, you know, sin is the thing that separates man from God. That's what we read back in Revelations chapter 21 a while ago, or chapter, uh, yeah, Revelation 21, verse 27. We go back to the book of Genesis. We're studying that in Sunday school. Before sin, Adam and Eve had, to, had direct communion and fellowship with God. Man chose to sin, and uh, as we say, paradise was lost, and man was banished from the presence of God. Separation. That's what hell is, separation. And the only way back to God is the removal of sin. But man cannot remove the stain of sin, can he? We, we try. That's what all these different religious things that are out there that, that people think they're doing that's making them fit for heaven. 
But man cannot remove the stain, uh, neither can another man, a priest or whoever can, you know, that's silly. They, they can't remove your, your, your stain. Baptismal waters cannot remove the stain of sin, amen? Only the blood of Christ can remove the stain of sin. So therefore, man of himself, even the religious, the pious, even the moral man, as if, as he, if he has not Christ, he is desperately and hopelessly lost, again, without hope in the world. He may not realize it, but he is. The Bible tells us that, that uh, uh, just as by one man sin came upon all men, that would be Adam, and so it is by the Son of Man salvation is available to all, for whosoever, amen? It tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, talking about Jesus, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. From that tree, and I'll just personalize it, it was my sin on that cross that he took that caused him to cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was my sin that put him there. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And so by this one offering on the cross, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, and our sins and our iniquities he remembers no more. Hallelujah. That's shouting ground this morning. So the inheritance is final. Why is it final? Because the remission is complete. There is no more offering for sin because as we sing, Jesus paid it all. He don't need your help to pay your sin debt. He paid it all before you were even thought about, before you were even a twinkle in your mama's eye. He had died for your sin on a cross 2,000 years ago. Woo! Amen. That's exciting. Praise the Lord. Again, I want you to understand what I'm trying to drill in this morning is being fit for heaven is not about what you do, but what Christ has already done. <laughs> Woo! Amen. And faith, belief, if you will, is the only thing that will keep you from heaven this morning. Amen. I talked to a man this yesterday, or uh, Thursday, and, uh, you know, he was just stuck on his work, stuck on what he's doing, stuck on his terrible life. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, you cannot add to remission of sin. How can a mortal human being ever add to Christ's atoning death? Because those that believe you have to do certain things to be saved, that's what you're doing. You're saying not only Jesus Christ's death on the cross, but also my things that I need to do added to that. That is heresy. That, 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 is, that is terrible. I mean, that's, that's, that's no good. And certainly we could see that. You can't add to Christ's atoning death. You cannot add to what Christ has already perfected forever. It's already been paid for forever. It's incorruptible. Uh, as we just learned a while ago, fitness for heaven is not about what man has to do, but what Christ has already done. And we simply access that through faith in the grace of God. And I'm almost done. So the conclusion here is, is that certainly no one is fit for heaven. Nobody went to heaven because they deserved it. They went to heaven because they were reconciled to God. That's so important. 
we have seen that man cannot reconcile himself. It's done by the once and all sacrifice of Jesus Christ, amen? And it's received through faith and faith alone. Again, it's Christ that makes free. That, that word make, made, it's not, it's not you doing anything. It's Christ that saves. We read a while ago in Colossians, but I want to read a little more with it. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he, that is God, reconciled. He. <laughs> in, the, how? in his body of his flesh through death to present you a holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. That is the sight of God. So through Christ, the works of the devil, the works of Satan, if you will, they have been destroyed. But for those who choose to remain in their sin and maybe count on their works or some other way to heaven, the Bible just simply teaches us this morning that because of that, they are not fit for heaven. For they are the children of the devil himself, alienated from God with no hope. The, but, but the thing is, is that power of darkness uh, has been broken and they can be saved. Amen. We also read in the book of Colossians chapter 1, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance and the saints of light. goes on to say, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. There's not a work one that's connected to salvation, ladies and gentlemen. Not a one. There are no religious activity that you have to do to be saved or stay saved. It is simply accepting what has already been paid for on the cross 2,000 years ago. Plus or minus nothing else. Amen. Amen. It's God that saves. Do you have that redemption through his blood? If I asked you why you're saved, are you going to go back to your baptism or your church affiliation? Are you going to go to some work or some, some rescue thing that happened in your past? Or are you going to tell me, are you saved? Yes, I'm saved because I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. When I asked Him to forgive me, He forgave me of all my sin, past, present, and future. And the only way I'm going to go to heaven is through the blood of Christ, period. Now that's salvation. And if you're dependent on anything else besides that, hey, listen, I'm just saying you're dependent on the wrong thing. And by default, you are not fit for heaven. You can't do anything to be fit for heaven except accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Amen. And, he, and that now you'll be made, you will be given the inheritance, not because you earned it, amen. So I'm going to ask you, if you will, to stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And I just want you to listen. I, you know, I know sometimes we like to get up and move around, but if you could just stay still for just a moment. Let's, you know, I understand sometimes there's medical reasons, so don't, you know, certainly understand that. But sometimes right in the invitation, boy, the devil wants to, wants to take our focus off things and cause people to, you know. So just, just if you could be still for just a little bit longer, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to know if you're not saved this morning that you can be right now. You can be free, listen to me very carefully, from the bondage of sin. You can be made fit for heaven. God is saying to maybe someone in this room, even right now, and he tells us in the book of Romans chapter 10, but what saith it? The word, now this is for you, lost person, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. It's nigh you, that is the word of faith which we preach. You've, you've just heard some preaching on this. The Bible tells us that 
the lost person, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. If you're here this morning and you know not Christ is your Savior, maybe you're realizing you've been trusting on something else, or maybe you just haven't been sure. As I said a while ago, maybe you've just laid claim to God without really being fit for God. I want you to understand that you can come right this moment, right this very second. You can step out even right now, and you can come and be made fit for heaven because Christ has provided all you need to do so. Amen. Father, as we give this invitation...